0: Georgia, Georgia, no peace I find, just an old sweet song, keeps Georgia
1: on my mind. Good morning, good morning, good morning. Little Willie Nelson, Georgia, on my mind, kicking things off for us. On episode 625 of SCI's Lone Star Outdoors show presented by Mossberg Firearms, Cable Smith here with you as always. It is a pleasure, a treat, an honor to be here talking, hunting, fishing, the great outdoors and all that implies. So thanks for dropping by today. Uh, Hope that you are having a wonderful spring. Still seeing lots of share lunkers like 13 plus pound bass being caught in Texas, so the spawn should be winding down but still opportunity to find one of those big girls on a bed and uh, you know i think there's a after going crappie fishing on lake fork using um, live live scope for the first time ever in february i mean i it has to be why all these big fish are being caught especially on ohiv uh, like unprecedented the number of sharelunkers being caught um in Texas and, and big bass being caught. I, I saw a 17 pounder caught in uh, California this week. So um, I wonder how that technology is going to change bass fishing and whether or not uh, the pros should be allowed to use it. I think that they will use it and that they are using it. They'll continue to use it because Garmin is uh, heavily involved with MLF as a sponsor and they sponsor so many of the anglers. There'd be a probably pretty big. Backlash if they tried to do away with that. But I don't know where you draw the line on ethics. It sure was fun seeing a fish and picking them off one by one. I'm not going to lie. Um, but then again, I'm not a tournament fisherman and not doing it for money. So, hmm. I don't know. I don't know what the answer is. Interesting to think about, though. Uh, but congrats to everyone that's landing those big bass. And if you're punching uh, tags on long beards, I think. Texas, maybe we still have what, um, certainly in in the north zone, one more weekend, I believe. South zone should be wrapped up by now. But uh, many other states, especially farther north, start way later than we do. So uh, hopefully you guys are having a wonderful spring turkey season. Um, It wasn't the best one I've ever had, but it was a dang good one. Punched two tags on uh, two... Like two day hunts, so I didn't. I only went out four days, and uh, I shot two beautiful toms, and then got a buddy. While I didn't get him his first turkey, I did get him his first deer, which I think I talked about a couple of weeks ago. He shot his first axis deer, a deer of any kind, uh, spot and stalk in the Texas Hill Country. So that was just as good, if not better, uh, to uh, to see my buddy Dylan take his first big game animal so uh, lots of memories made and hope that you guys have been doing the same truly mean that and, and if you haven't gotten out hope you make plans to get out before the season ends also spring bear i keep i keep forgetting about bear season as a texan um it's something i've done a bit of i think i've taken four black bear in my life but um with canada being shut down to me because i'm unvaccinated It's been put on the back burner. I have a hunt booked for on Vancouver Island, British Columbia, big black bear. Uh, as soon as that tyrant Trudeau will actually let me back into the country, I plan on, on, uh, getting up there as fast as I can. But, uh, yeah, if you're bear hunting, hope that you're having a great spring bear season as well. And those are just kicking off as the, uh, as those Bruins are coming out of hibernation in, uh, Northern climates. Um, what are we doing today? Well, you know what to do. Pull up that stool a little closer to the old campfire, pour yourself another cup of that black rifle coffee out of Granddaddy's beat-up old Stanley thermos because we are ready to rock and roll and we're going to get into this phrase that irks me more so than anything else I'm, I I hear in 2022 and it's the phrase I'm a hunter, but but red flag Right there, I'm a hunter, butt. Pfft. okay, well, we got to dive into that. What does that even mean? because uh are you are you with me? Or are you against me? And so our old friend Michael Waddell of Bone Collector will be here for the duration of today's conversation, and uh, that's going to be the main talking point. Of course, we'll talk spring turkey uh, among a litany of other things, but that idea, of, uh, of I'm a hunter, but, and what is, what does that mean? What are you willing to fight for if that's your mindset? Mm. So uh, we'll get into that right here on today's broadcast. Looking forward to a great conversation with the bone collector himself. And, oh, and we'll get a T-Bone update, as uh, I'm sure many of you have been following along. Travis T-Bone Turner, uh, another great friend of the program over the years, uh, had to have his his Leg amputated from cancer, uh, so Michael will uh, give us an update on uh, on how T Bone is doing. That's what's on the docket for today. Going to be a good one. Uh, I can guarantee you that. Let's do a quick giveaway. How about a Sportsman's Alliance cap, T-shirt, and membership? Uh, that's a one-year membership, cap, and T-shirt to one of my favorite pro hunting organization sportsmen's alliance um all you need to do is email the word conservation that's conservation to lone star outdoor show at gmail.com let's knock out a quick break coming up next the bone collector joins us right here on scis lone star outdoor
0: show
1: Let's face it, guys. We all would love to own land, right? But they're not making any more of it. However, there's a solution. Lone Star Ag Credit has been helping its borrowers finance their own piece of paradise for over 100 years. Whether you want it for recreating, ranching, fishing, hunting, or just to get the hell out of Dodge for the weekend, visit Lone Star Ag Credit today to start making that dream a reality. There's a brand new one from Whiskey Myers. John Wayne brings us back on SCI's Lone Star Outdoors show presented by America's Oldest family-owned firearm manufacturer. That's Mossberg Firearms, by the way. I'm Cable Smith. Thanks for being here today as we are all set to check in with our good friend, Michael Waddell. But first, this segment probably brought to you by SCI, the worldwide leader in big game conservation. SCI continues to put its money where its mouth is, time after time, whether that's internationally or here in North America. If you are passionate about big game hunting, and therefore, big game conservation. Because let's call a spade a spade. There are no more passionate conservationists on this planet than us hunters. So anyway, if those things interest you, which they probably do if you're listening to this show, then head over to safariclub.org today to check us out. We'd love to have you. Um, Let's bring him on right now. Joining us from somewhere in that georgia backwoods the swamp nasty uh, turkey calling champion former grunt over at real tree who ran cameras worked his way up and subsequently all that hard work paid off he has been the face of outdoor hunting television for damn near two decades now it is my pleasure to welcome the bone collectors michael waddell back to the show it's been a couple years i think the last time we uh sat down was it probably a texas trophy hunter show in san antonio or fort worth or something
0: i think it was man it has it's been a while
1: yeah yeah the first thing i want to ask is how is t-bone doing um he's obviously been in everybody's thoughts and prayers and i felt kind of like a jerk because my instagram account got deleted um and i was texting him trying to see hey if it comes down to it, can you help me out? And he just didn't respond. And and him and I text back and forth periodically on stuff. I was like, man, t Bone's just blowing me off. But uh, I didn't, he hadn't put out there publicly that he was fighting cancer. And then it, you know, I saw on his page and I was just like, Oh my gosh, dude, I sent him, I wasn't rude to him. You know, I just said, Oh, I guess he's just not responding to me. And then I just sent him a note. It was like, dude, I, I, I and everyone other than your closest friends and family had no idea you were dealing with this. And, if for anyone that doesn't know, he had to have one of his legs amputated below the knee, and he's been in a literal fight for his life.
0: No doubt, man. It's been a tough go for my man T-Bone, and he uh, he had been dealing with that. I think it was called fibrosarcoma. It's, mm-hmm. It was basically some cancer that had popped up on his right leg. And and so, yeah, he went through chemo to to not necessarily deal with that on his leg. They just wanted to make sure – that that cancer hadn't showed up anywhere else in his body. And so it was a precautionary kind of an aggressive tactic to make sure that there was no other cancer cells in his body. And based on what all the doctors have told him that T-Bone is relayed to us, you know, it went well, it did it did good. And so far as what was on his leg, the only way they felt confident to make sure that that cancer was took care of there was to amputate his right leg. So obviously it was a middle of the thigh amputation mm-hmm but based on right now cable, he has been fitted with a prosthetic. Uh, so the big man, hopefully will be on some type of wheel soon. And his attitude has been amazing. Um, you know, we're kind of like a lot of the other people, you know, we, we do a lot of prayer and we talk to them. And usually when we do is usually cutting up and checking in, we have a bone collector group text that every day we communicate. And so, uh, it's been amazing. He's been certainly an inspiration to us all because he's so positive. You know, it's so easy to get negative, you know, uh, and he has just been so positive. I mean, it's amazing how he will pick us up yeah. about the situation where we don't even know what to say. I mean, how do you talk to a friend that you know is dealing with cancer and then they have to amputate a limb? That that's That's tough. That's tough on you as a friend. And then you think, well, it's the friend that's having this done. And so I've been overwhelmed at just how strong T-Bone is mentally. And so obviously he's got a long road ahead of him, but, um, so far so good. He's, he's been obviously, uh, getting it monitored every day. He's been going to physical therapy. He's been working with the the people who are designing and and putting this prosthetic together. So, uh, we'll see, man, but based on T-Bone, the way he goes about things, um, I expect a booger to be right out there this fall, hunting somewhere. You know, I really do. I think I think he's going to come on strong, and so uh, the the prayers and the thoughts and everybody just reaching out has been good. And you're right, Cable, for T Bone to not hit you back within a day or two, you know, something like, yeah. man, did I piss him off? I mean, yeah. what did I do? You know, I have uh, to talk to the guy. Why is he mad? And so, yeah, that that's not like T Bone, and he was going through a lot. And he didn't even share this with us until a long time. And he basically just wanted to understand himself, him and his wife and his son to figure out exactly what was going on. So when he did talk to you or me or anybody, he could say, here's exactly what's happening. Here's what I'm up against. And then, you know, you could specifically let people to know what to pray about. Mm -hmm. So uh, he, he really was very private about it until the moment came like you and like our audience and the people that watch bone collector and you know watch these podcasts and listen to these podcasts realize that wait a minute t-bone is missing he like he, yeah. is, he went AWOL is he mad you know he, he wasn't showing up on our shows he wasn't in the interviews and you know we'd show up for appearances and like where's t-bone man so even us we didn't really know what was going on All We we he was going through some health issues but mm-hmm. you know sometimes you just keep things private and i think that's one thing that we realize through social media and everything we do. They are certain things you kind of keep close to you and your family. And, uh, and, um, and so, but, but also T-Bone feels like that all the people that follow him, that they are family to him too. And I think that's how we all look at it. It's, you know, sometimes everything we say and do, you might not agree upon and that's the way it is in family, but, you know, we don't look at fans as fans. We look at them as family. And so, uh, so as soon as T-Bone knew what was going on, he not only shared it with us and his immediate friends, but also his immediate family of, of fans that, that you know, feel like they're a cousin or a brother of T-Bone. So uh, it was flattering to get the feedback, too.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I saw he was out fishing recently, though. Uh, so he's he's not letting it keep him down. And, and like you said, his attitude has been amazing. It, for, and for anyone that's been following, you can see that. It's contagious, the positivity. Uh, he's the kind of guy. So my wife, not a hunter. Occasionally will shoot a gun with me. She'll go hunting, but she's not a, she's not a killer. And, right. uh, we did the, we went to this archery thing, uh, at cinnamon Creek one time. And, and I've been trying to teach my wife for years how to shoot a bow. And she saw Travis was there and he's like, Oh, well, he can teach me. I was like, what? Yeah. I've been trying to teach you woman. No, no, no. T-bone <laughs> can teach me. I've, I've seen him on TV. He's he, he knows what he's talking about. Uh, it's so funny. Does... he
0: did the same thing. My wife, my wife, like when it comes to a bow and arrow, she, you can't even get her to listen to me. I can say anything. I can, Mm -hmm. you know, see something's going on with her bow and I say, Hey, we need to fix this. Like, don't touch it. Let's call (laughs) T-Bone. And so (laughs) T-Bone also taught her. She taught, I mean, he taught my wife and uh, he, he's just, he's the gospel truth when it comes to archery, at least in our circles. And, Mm -hmm. and, and and if, if I'm ever struggling or anybody close, he is a great instructor and he's got the very, he's got very good patience. And the good thing is he can teach somebody the right way the first time. Versus, you know, I, I look at a lot of my habits. I don't do everything perfect. And T Bone's like, and I'll ask T Bone like, T Bone, if I'm doing that right, I'm like, no, Wadi, you don't do this right, you don't do that right. But listen, you got a proven track, you know, track record. Just keep it the same. And so he's, he's, he's just awesome, man. He's, he's yeah. like Mr. Miyagi of those, man, for sure.
1: Yeah, he really is. He really is. Uh, so, how has your turkey season been? It's been
0: good. It's actually been. Uh, very, very busy. Um, and it seems that 90% of what I'm doing now Cable is um, is just really going with a lot of people, a lot of partners, a lot of celebrities, a lot of influential people in our space. And um, I feel like I've been so blessed to kill a lot of turkeys. And so for me, I feel like more of an ambassador trying to give back and to try to introduce to people this love and this passion for turkey hunting. Mm-hmm. And it's it's been it's been really cool and, and oddly enough, I um, you know, people ask me all the time, you know, how many turkeys have you killed? And I'm like, man, not enough. <laughs> and so obviously that's why we work so hard with NWTF and Turkeys for Tomorrow and we're trying to understand what's going on with the turkey populations around the country because we really love to hunt them. It's one of the most intriguing, fun species to hunt because it's very tactical. You have to have a lot of knowledge. I mean, you can just walk out in certain areas and have success killing a turkey, but if you really get deep into it, it's one of the deeper hunting sports out there because you understand a language, you understand habits, you understand what trips are triggered. You understand different stages throughout the spring. So it's a very tricky technical animal. If you get past just a man, I got lucky and went out there and killed one. So I love it. And, um, and overall it's been a really good spring. We've, we've got a lot of good footage and I would say the biggest thing that we've gotten this year cable has been just, just the authentic joy and the look in somebody's eye when they finally have a turkey gobbling hard coming in and they've never seen it. It could be somebody in Texas that, you know, has, has always looked at, you know, these turkeys as feeder rats and something that just eats all the deer corn and aggravating, you know, sometimes you see, in these areas where you got a high population of turkeys, it's a nuisance almost, like like a hog. And, but when you see somebody get a chance to hunt them in the springtime of year and they bite hard on a call or bite hard on a decoy and they're coming in strong, it's, it's a different adrenaline rush that they've never seen. So I've really enjoyed capturing that on video and being part of that type of, of hunting this spring in the last several years. So it's been nice. I, uh,
1: I get to take advantage of uh, a group, uh, a deer lease, where they, they do – treat them like feeder rats and so yeah they they just leased it to me for the spring they're like turkeys yeah we got turkeys you want to hunt those things yeah Yeah, just help us pay for our protein bill we don't give a dang about no turkeys and i'm like okay (laughs) i'm your guy so uh, yeah (laughs) yeah yeah, i love it um i did went down to south texas uh to like around the king ranch and i think michael those have to be the dumbest turkeys in the world Oh yeah they're not smart yeah but it's so (laughs) fun
0: like you know if you if you know probably like you uh grow up and you hunt all these places and so you know there there's no doubt i think all species across the country you know you get into these areas to where certain animals are easier to put your tag on and but but if you grow up in an area where it's unbelievably hard like you know in the south georgia alabama uh and these areas down here and that that can go over to mississippi up into south carolina i mean turkeys are almost like this mythical being, to where you hear one or two turkeys gobble, and they're back in this thick swamp, planted pine, clear cut, you know, creek bottoms and, and hardwood ridges. It, it's almost like you just dream. It's it's not like Bigfoot, but if you grow up hunting them, there's a time in your hunting career that you're like, I just want to get one within thirty yards. I mean, it's like right. it's, it becomes like this obsession, but yet. If you grow up hunt like that and you learn how to trick a few of those turkeys from time to time, then you get to a place like you're talking about around that King Ranch. Oh my God, it's it's almost like you feel like the turkey whisper, you know? Oh yeah. <laughs> and and, um, and it's a great place to get people introduced to. Them. And and the numbers are good. There's a lot of turkeys and 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 they work. It's like textbook. So no man, mm-hmm. I I love those trips every once in a while. Man, I'll get my teeth kicked in you know, sometimes by these old Southern Easterns. And I'm like, man, I'm, re- I'm ready to go to South Texas or I'm ready to go to Nebraska and chase a, a Merriam around or something. All
1: right. So that leads to the next question, which uh, subspecies is the least intelligent. And I ask at this time of year, I ask everybody that that's a, a seasoned Turkey hunter. Uh, Cause I've only ever, I mean, I've, I've only ever hunted uh, Rios. Right. And uh, I think we're going to do a, a Merriam trip in New Mexico next spring. But, um, you know, we have, we've spent a lot of money in Texas on Eastern reintroduction, but you get your four Turkey tags and only one of those can be an Eastern and they're only in uh, a set few counties. And, you know, I've, I've seen them, but I've never, it's never been in the spring. I've never hunted them in East Texas. So anyway, you've hunted them all. I think, you know,
0: no doubt. I I would have to say that the Merriam is typically the easiest Turkey. However, A lot of it, I think, is based on environment and population of those turkeys because I've also hunted easterns, say, in Tennessee, and um, it was as easy as any turkey I'd ever shot out in Nebraska, you know, Mm -hmm. where they worked with the call and gobbled, and they were 100% southern easterns. Um, I've also hunted Rios that were just amazingly easy, like literally, like get a box call or a good pot call and... I mean, try to start a fire with them and have turkeys gobbling and coming to the point where they're they're working so good that we're literally trying to get the east sun on them coming in. Like, okay, that turkey's (laughs) into the sun. Let's not work that turkey. But then again, I've also been to these places like you're talking about, maybe a deer lease and be working a promotion. And somebody said, hey, man, I got some Rio's if you want to come hunt and be in the heart of Texas. And I'm talking about these turkeys. Are, are as smart as any Eastern I've hunt, ever hunted in Alabama. But if you mm. want to go by the stereotypical rule of intelligence, I would rank the Eastern as the toughest. Um, then I would probably go down to uh, maybe a Rio and Osceola being sacked, depending on the situation. Osceolas, which live in South Florida, um, what's difficult about them is finding a good place that you can have access to to hunt. Yeah. But by rule, an Osceola turkey, whether it's public or private, they are very attitude oriented. So they're like a mean banny rooster. They're smaller in statute and they just have attitudes. And so they're easier to manipulate, in my opinion, based on aggression. They're very active to, to strut and decoys, to jake decoys, and they respond. But a lot of times it's finding an Osceola. That's the tough part, not mm. tricking them and so after that the price tag
1: on say, those hunts has gone up and it's just it's unbelievable yeah and they i would say that,
0: yeah because it's the only place you know right. and, and so if you're really a a true authentic chaser of a grand slam anything south of gainesville is considered an, an osceola based on you know nwtf as you would label them and register mm-hmm. these turkeys as a grand slam however a lot of your old school turkey hunters still want to get very south i mean they like to get south of fort myers and so you get down into that okeechobee you get down into that immokalee those tomato farms and i mean these turkeys are black winged they're smaller i mean 13 14 pound turkeys and they are mean as a dead gum striped snake Mm. son and and, um and finding them is hard and the price tag on those turkeys are pretty expensive you're talking two three thousand dollars for a turkey hunt or one turkey and um however what what we found is is since The Grand Slam has become popular the protection, especially on these private places or, you know, they look at these turkeys as a valuable asset. So they protect them. And so therefore, when you go, you're going to have an amazing experience. And so it's a cool place to go. But no doubt, I would say, you know, your Easterns are your toughest by rule. Uh, I say in certain situations, a Rio and Osceola will be 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 next. And then then for sure. Uh, you, you marry them. You marry them by rule is your easiest turkey. <laughs> and that's what I like to do. I usually take my family out in Lake May because, you know, you've you just been, you're tired. You've got chiggers and tick bites all over you. You're scarred up. You're exhausted. You got red eyes from chasing them because, you know, obviously we go hard after them all spring, trying to take a plethora of different people and partners. And then it's so nice sometimes to get out to Wyoming or Nebraska, South Dakota, and you got turkeys that you can, pull out a call and, and really make them respond. And and a lot of times they're looking for love and they're just coming and they'll come over mountains and valleys. But then again, I've also been to places hunting Merriam's and and some of the people listening that's maybe went out there to where them turkeys will just whoop you like any Southern Eastern will. So, uh, but by rule, no doubt, the Southern Eastern typically Georgia, Alabama, Mississippi, those areas in through there, even North Florida, are your most aggravating turkeys to kill. If you're very efficient and filling your tags there, you can just kill turkeys anywhere, in my opinion. Um,
1: but you get right. up into
0: Tennessee, those turkeys, you know, by rule in those places that have a lot of turkeys, they work a lot better, they're more visible, and you can kill them. I would say even a, a below-average turkey hunter can find pretty good success in that area.
1: Okay. All right. Well, let's do this. Let's, um, let's take a quick break here when we come back. We'll wade into something a little more controversial than turkey hunting. Um, that segment was proudly brought to you by Mossberg Firearms and the 940 Pro Turkey. When I was down in South Texas, uh, I had the pleasure of trying out one of those brand spanking new turkey guns. It cycles beautifully. Oh, feels good on that shoulder, let me tell you. And of course, this is uh, Mossberg's new semi auto loading uh, platform. And here's the beautiful thing: you don't need to clean it. That's right, fifteen hundred rounds before they recommend you even take a swab to that gun. And who is ever going to kill fifteen hundred turkeys? Well, maybe, maybe Michael, but the rest of us, no way. Uh, you'll die before you ever kill fifteen hundred long beards. But you can check out the 940 Pro Turkey at Mossberg.com. We'll be right back on SCI's Lone Star. Hey guys, Cable here, and last year was a wild year for censorship. It's only continuing in 2022 uh, for us hunters and anglers. So I've partnered with the social media platform Go Wild to combat mainstream social media censorship go wild was built by outdoorsmen and women by hunters and anglers just like you it's a free social community not only are your photos not censored they're encouraged imagine that go wild gives you points for things like sharing your trophies gear reviews and inviting friends as you earn points you unlock awesome rewards too such as gift cards free swag knives huge discounts on brands like garmin and vortex and so many more oh and if you create a free account, you get 10 bucks to the store just for trying it out. Visit DownloadGoWild.com to get started. And I'll see you over there. Cable here for Stealth Cam and the DS4K Ultra Trail Camera. Highest quality video on the market, bar none. It's 4K. It's incredible. And they've also got an entire lineup of cell cameras as well. You can find it all right there at StealthCam.com. A single from the Josh Abbott Band, Highway Time, bringing us back on SCI's Lone Star Outdoor show presented by Mossberg Firearms. Cable Smith here with you. Thanks for dropping by today as we're still visiting with the bone collector, Michael Waddell, the face of uh, Outdoor Channel for two decades. You, you know him from Realtree Road Trips as well as the Bone Collector. Uh, great shows and great dude. We're going to pick it back up with him momentarily first, though. This segment brought to you by Vortex Optics and the brand spanking new Crossfire HD 1400 Laser Rangefinder. This thing is awesome. Lightweight. It's perfect for the backcountry or perfect for your tree stand. It's also perfect for your pocketbook coming in at uh, 269 bucks MSRP. You can probably find it cheaper at your local sporting goods store, uh, but, yeah, be sure to pick one up for next fall. It's the Vortex Crossfire HD 1400 Laser Rangefinder. All right. Uh, well, let's uh, let's get into something a little more of a hot-button issue among the hunting community uh, with a good friend, Michael Waddell. Let's talk about the hunting community and celebrities wading into politics. And the last time that I had uh, Travis on the show was a very important time politically as the Georgia Senate runoff was taking place and we ended up losing both of those seats uh yeah. but he was not shy about about that conversation you know this is what i believe and i often Michael get people saying cable stay out of politics you're an outdoor radio show host what do you know about politics and my response every time is you know show me a conservative politician that's drafting anti hunting or anti second amendment legislation I and mean, they yeah. don't have a response man and so um, I'm, I'm curious as to what your take is on that, because I, I think there's, there's too many of us out there, and certainly uh, y'all's influence is, is, and your reach is, is much larger than mine, but I feel, like, I feel like there are people within our ranks that are letting us down by staying silent, staying on the fence, and are afraid, like, well, financially, is it going to be a sound decision? Well, at the end of the day if the second amendment goes away or they keep treading on our rights as a hunting community what is that what does that even matter right now i
0: 100 agree cable i mean first of all i think it has changed since our time frame i don't think we're too awful far apart in age but i do remember a time to where politics was something that was kind of kept quiet you know mm-hmm. me, even that sammy kershaw saw, saw remember it was politics you know we can talk about anything but politics religion and hurt however yeah. We reached a tipping point. And and what I mean by that, I do think we've never seen this volatile of a time change of the fabric of America changing. I do think it's already changed. All you got to do is see what's happening out there. So I think what happened, people like you and I who grew up, who knew election was coming and sure, when we got 18, we would go and vote. But it wasn't something that we really talked about because it it was even even though maybe then that's when it was slipping and everything was slipping up on us to where it hit right now, people didn't talk about it. One, we didn't have social media to voice our opinions, these celebrities and different people that we saw that we maybe looked up to. We didn't really know where they stood because their time on television was limited. And typically these people, artists or entertainers were playing their music. They were in their movies. So I think what's happened is it become almost two sides, which always has bothered me in the unity of things. But I also understand that different people believe in different things. Mm -hmm. However, when you look at our community, when you look at hunters, and now we're up to almost 14 million, we gained hunters through the pandemic. I think what you find, if you really look deep at the root of all the hunting community, the majority, the vast majority are very sound they're hardworking Americans. And I think that they're the best Americans. So people say, well, you shouldn't vote just on hunting. I mean, okay, you're gonna vote for this guy because he believes that wolves are, there's too many people there. And so, um, so when you look at this, uh, when you look at this situation, it is more than just hunting because at the base of these hunters are hard working people. They're hardworking, taxpaying people. And, and they're, they're trying to make America better based on them being an asset to America not being a liability. So with that, even amongst that core, what you find is even all of us don't always agree in things, just like in the hunt community. But at the base of that, you find this really just true American essence of what America was created and and established on. So I do think we do need to speak up because if we're not careful, not just hunting our second amendment our free speech and our our opportunity to come on here like we're doing now and talk about anything we want to talk about it can be infringed upon so it's it's more than even just a second amendment and so when you look at what's happening and you're looking at the biggest people that are being punished it can be the hard-working people and race can be used as that as, as something that that's that this this used as some type of uh, card that, that could say that this is what's wrong. It can yeah. be that, well, these people um, crossing the border, are illegal immigration, and we should have a bigger heart. Um, or it, it can be that, well, you shouldn't hunt the wolf, or you shouldn't do this, or you shouldn't have the right to have an AR, or you shouldn't have a right to have a gun at all. And you should be more government mandate mandated than you look at the pandemic and you look and I look at that as a vicious attack on independence and freedom. And I feel like there's a lot of propaganda that's being used to divide us, to conquer. And I think sometimes they're using it to to cause a great catastrophe so they can be financial gain um, and a lot of other things. And used to, Mm -hmm. when you said stuff like that, you felt like this big conspiracy theory or possibly a madman. But now we see it. And then if you really study history from the civil wars that's been fought across the world to even ours here in America or our one in America, You look at all the wars, you look at all the division, and you look at the way these dictators and these governments have run and how they've used propaganda, just like they did that Joseph Goebbels did in Nazi Germany. It's real cable. And so I do think from uh, Luke Bryan to Blake Shelton to what you're doing on your podcast to what I'm doing on my platform, we don't have to be a fanatic about it, but I'm definitely not afraid when people say, Well, how do you feel about this? Then I will say, Absolutely. I thought Hillary Clinton was the worst thing that could happen for America. Or how do you feel about Donald Trump? I can say mean tweets. Seems like he's pretty proud of himself and got yeah. a lot of ego. So did my football coach. He, yeah. he was he was tough, too. You know, he he wasn't politically correct. But does he love America? And was he working for the people that were really working in America, that were getting up driving trucks, that were getting up teaching kids, that were getting up and – getting their kids to school, for the construction worker, for all these people? Yes. Was he really active and excited about the people that laid around on their couch and played video games that wondered what the government would do to them? Hell no. He didn't. he didn't really care for those people. And to be honest with you, nor do I. I have a great yeah. amount of sympathy and empathy for somebody who hasn't learned to be motivated that certainly in one way might become a victim of their circumstances. But yet we all have. I mean, I'm looking at two country boys right here that that had a chance to make a living in something that we can't believe that we even get to to do. That's what happens in America. But if you don't think that we haven't been kicked in the face, if you don't think we haven't been bullied, if you don't think we haven't been criticized, there is nobody immune to hard times. There is nobody immune to certain oppression if you you just let it happen. Mm -hmm. Every race, every situation, every culture has been – tremendously mistreated but the old saying you get knocked down you get back up so for me my vote and my team is the people that have been knocked down that get back up those are the people i want to finish help finish get across the line because i know those are the same people that's going to pick me up when i fall or i'm down and out or in a financial situation i'm not looking for the government to come in because historically the government, the more control they have, the more puppets we become, and the more catastrophic it becomes, and we become enslaved. So that's, that just kind of is a short story of my political views. And so for me, I don't look at certain things. I look at who is on my side on those views, and that's who I'll fight for. Obviously, I'm a hunter. I'm, I'm just a simple guy who likes a good grown, homegrown tomato, and some silver queen corn, and I love a good country meal, you know, and, and it's gather around family and friends, but I also work, I'm I'm, you know, mandated to pay taxes. I'm mandated to do my part for the county and the city that I live in. And, uh, and I do my part, but I have to work for every dollar I get. And there's a lot of people like me and you that do that. And I think that those are the most valuable players in America, not these people that are hitting on crap. And, and so I, I just it, it just really makes me mad. And if we're not careful, and if we don't get up and talk about these things, you're right. They will rule. They will take it away. And next thing you know, we'll be sitting around and like, God, I can't believe we can't go on cables podcast and talk freely. We can't do right. that anymore. Look at right now. And sorry to keep rambling on this, but look at right now. Look at the uproar with Elon Musk buying Twitter. Right. And 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 it's with insane. the simple, that's insane. With the simple. Simple foundation point, he believes that nobody should be censored. You know, and now now even some conservatives and Christian-based people could say, Well, I don't want my kids on Twitter because what is going to be on there? Nobody truly knows. But he's basically to me is politics. He's trying to say, if you want to go and say these things, if you want to go and say, hey man, I don't know about all these, you know, these these shots and boosters. And I don't know, is it COVID really killing people or is it randesivir when they get treated at the hospital. Well, again, even somebody hearing this, is like, shut up, Waddell. Well, at least you should be able to explore it. I don't know right. exactly what's going on. And the reason I don't is because we don't have enough information. It's a one-sided narrative with these social media giants on everything from climate change to all these things, to wars, to Ukraine and Russia. We only know what we're being told. And like Denzel Washington said, if you watch the news, you're, you, you're, you're disinformed. Are unin- and if you don't watch you're uninformed and so what is the truth and what is not and the only way you get the facts and the only way you become a good hunter or a good carpenter or a good truck driver is you get everybody talking and then you can pick certain things out of there and you'll start finding out the truth through your own experience and your own experiments and experience and and that's what happens right now these big tech companies they're one-sided oh, they're extreme liberal and all Elon Musk is saying he's not saying he's conservative or liberal he's saying hey
1: free speech
0: i'll get out here and spit the facts if you think this is something if it's theory if it's fact we're smart enough to figure that out i figured Mm -hmm. it out in hunting i mean i don't know everything but i figured out that some of these things are in the golden book of turkey hunting i figured that you go by them but i also added a few statements in here because i realized that sometimes you can do things different jimi hendrix proved that you can play a guitar a little different and different things that go against music theory so That's how when you have expression, that's how entertainers change the world, change, change entertainment. That's how hunting is changed. And that's how everything. So the only way we understand medicine, the only way we understand politics, the only way we understand what's going on is for free speech and free uh, debate and and have an opportunity to talk.
1: Have you and, and I'm asking because I have had this happen to me. Have you lost sponsors or opportunities to work with companies because you will talk about stuff like this?
0: um no I, i've come really close a couple of occasions with the bigger nonademics and um mm-hmm. and after conversation they basically you know saw my side of things and and i'm not and and with that you know i'm not against really anybody i'm not i'm very actually you know believe it or not even though i'm old country boy I, i'm very open minded and i've become yeah. very open minded through travel you know when you go to all these different countries and and hunt and when you go to every almost you know, every state in the union to try to, you know, hunt turkeys or deer or elk where they're located, you find that there's a lot of people that are different than us. You feel, you realize that there's a lot of situations and areas that maybe have it a little better or or sometimes even a little worse. And so you become open-minded to people's views. However, I'm not talking about not giving people their opportunity to, to, to have their own life. I mean, for me, I don't care. I think that's the beauty of America. You can worship whatever you want to. I love Jesus. But if you want to love Satan, then that's your situation and you can pay the consequences or I can pay the consequences for my beliefs, but I should have a chance to stand strong on that and to, and to talk about how I feel just like they should, you Mm -hmm. know, I'm heterosexual. I've always looked at women as beautiful. (laughs) Fact, yeah, That's been the biggest (laughs) struggle of my life. Yeah. Women, women, we're beautiful. However, if, if you're a homosexual, that, that's fine. But but I shouldn't have the right to do sex education to teach a kid at kindergarten how beautiful and what they should be doing with a woman. And I don't think anybody who's trying to push an agenda, you know, on CRT and or, you know, the sex education should be trying to push this homosexual thing on, on any kid, whether right. they turn out to be homosexual or not. So it's not about hate. It's about sometimes. There is an agenda that they're trying to push. I don't have an agenda. I want kids to understand, in my opinion, um, you know, solid values. However, you are morph into different things. But, you know, sometimes even my kids, they're not ready to have certain things pushed on them. But I yeah. can use what I feel like as a parent, if anybody deserves that right, it's the parent, it's the parent. Mm-hmm. If I want to talk about these things, then let me be the first to make this conversation, not somebody. So those are the things that I'm against, you know, and leave it up to leave it up to us. And and I think we deserve that right. And they're trying to pull those rights away from us. And guess what else? Look hard into history. That's what freaking Hitler did. What did he do? He took the young kids, he molded them, not you, Cable, not me. I would rather have the chance to mold my kids. And if you say, well, I don't agree in how you're molding them. Well, that's not my problem for you to be mad at me, nor is it my problem to be mad at you. I think more people need to sweep around their own doors and figure out their own situation. I can't help you. It says it on the airplane every time, every time, how many times have we flown? It says, in case of emergency, when an oxygen mask comes on, put the mask around your face first before you try to help somebody else. People are trying to change the world and yet they don't even know how to freaking make their own bed. They don't even know how to make a hot pocket in a microwave yet. They (laughs) don't want to get into this deep conversation about climate control and they don't even know how to properly bathe their butt. I mean, I'm like, come on, dude, clean up these areas, get me some Show me how I can respect you here. And then maybe I can hear your other narrative about these other things that I know not much about. Yeah. So for me it's it's a little deeper situation and I think people are spouting off and they're doing things and they're and they're meddling in other families in their own business and that's that's not right. That well, that's I've, not what America was founded on.
1: I think that's why it was uh important when Youngkin won Virginia, won the governorship yes. and he did it on the platform of, you know what? Parents are going to decide what they teach their kids, not the education system. So Huge win. Hopefully we and, and we have seen more of that continue with with laws and stuff, trying to prevent indoctrination, teaching your kids at six years old. Oh, do you feel like a boy today? Have you ever thought little girl? Maybe maybe you're a boy. Yeah. Uh, no. What the hell are you talking about? No, that's that's a girl. And, you know, if at 18 years old, she's still maybe maybe she feels like that in her own. You do you. You have one life to live, but you damn sure ain't teaching my kids at six years old. That BS.
0: I absolutely. Think about this cable. We, you know, we, we're, we're wildlife lovers. I mean, I mm-hmm. love. My wife has chickens. Um, you know, we've raised ducks. I've raised rabbits. I, I've raised so much because I just love it. I'm out, You don't even know why. It's just in you. If you're country, yeah. you know. It, even people in the city like that. But who teaches these poults or these biddies? It's the mama hen. It's yeah. not like all of a sudden bring in the rabbit to teach <laughs> these poults how to scratch and bug out in the high grass. It's the young, it's the hen, it's the mama, the responsibility lies there. You know, fawn deer, who takes care of this? It is the, the, the mom, the, the doe that birthed her. So, so why are we bringing in, in this case, in my opinion, sometimes predators to, to mentor our kids? I know we're still humans, but leave that up to me. Yeah. Now, if, if society and me or you prove that we are just a terrible parent and we're evil and we're abusive, then absolutely. I believe in the foster care system. But I don't need I, I need teachers to teach my kid to help me teach them how to read and write, to teach them things that are fundamentally sound. And then when you start looking at they're going in there, teaching them that white people are bad, that you are bad, you should feel insecure. Or you should feel weird that you do like a girl if you're a boy, or you're a girl that likes a boy, and you know. Or it's your, okay your dad's to, a
1: hunter. What's wrong with him? Is he a weirdo? Yeah. And then, you, then, then you're talking about your
0: dad voted for Trump, and maybe he's a hunter, and maybe they're trying to teach this kid that you're the one that's evil, or maybe that yeah. they should feel insecure and that maybe they're questioning their life and why they should be feeling this way, and they get confused because they're hearing a different message when they get home. You know, and we're saying. You know the prayer before we eat a ham sandwich or or a feast, and so at the end of it, I don't need teachers, and I think it is unbelievably wrong for for teachers to do more than what they're supposed to do. And I think it's time to look at the education situation. Uh, you know, again, I've never was that good in school. I've always believed in school, but half the stuff that I'm talking about right now, you don't need a teacher to teach you from first grade to senior year, you can Google it and learn all you want to. Yeah. I mean, I can pull out a calculator and, and do math right now. So at the end of it, the, the, the biggest education that a kid can get is right in our own homes. And what's happened is people are putting too much responsibility on these teachers to raise their kids. So if, if, there's, if there's teachers that's hearing this, they also are up against the wall because we as parents in America, sometimes we hand our kids over, but yet it was like, oh, well, don't teach them that. Like, man, I had to teach your kid how to pee and not you know, piss <laughs> in the You know, I had to teach your kid hygiene and, and that he should brush his teeth. So these teachers on the other side of the equation, it is not fair for them. They want to teach them science. They want to teach them biology, reading, writing, and arithmetic. But what they're having to do they're having to teach things that they should have already learned at home. So there goes two sides. But for mm-hmm. those of us who send our kids to school and they're clean and, and their hair is combed and their teeth is brushed and they're respectful as they can they can be, and they know that if we hear that they're disrespectful at school, that they're going to be disciplined at home, those are the kids that these teachers can really mold and make them educate, make them smarter and teach them tricks of the trade and how to get through in life when it comes to just a solid education of knowing history but now what we're finding they're ripping pages out of the history book because oh they gosh, don't want yeah. that talked about they don't want they don't want people to understand you know what you know Gaddafi was like they don't want to know what it was like over in Zimbabwe they don't want to understand about Nazi Germany they don't want to understand truly uh, you know ju- uh, you know what Stalin was like in these different dictators and and so These things can slip out of control if you don't know. For people like you and I, we have been very blessed. The biggest blessing I feel like I've had is to be able to travel the world, not just the country, the world, and see things for myself. And it's pretty easy to see that America is the greatest country. But if we're not careful, we're slipping right into the trenches like Zimbabwe did. We're slipping right into the trenches like some of these third world countries did with with dictator and being self and the government getting too much control. So, uh, no, we got to get political and I know people want to talk about honey, you know, maybe they're listening here, but you know, to, to protect, to protect this lifestyle, we sometimes got to have a discussion about politics and voting and voting for the right people that see it like us, that, that see like you. And so we have to get involved.
1: And I see uh, an AR right behind you and, you see my gun safe right behind me, you know, yep. there's plenty of those in there. Um, and that's the thing is that they are intertwined and it's unfortunate. And, and, and you and I, I mean, it sucks that we have to have this conversation, right? But it does. people have to be talking about it. Uh, let's take a quick break, Michael. When we come back, we'll get into hunter recruitment. I've always been on one side of the fence, but uh, I'm starting to think that hmm, maybe that's not All it's cracked up to be. So uh, we'll do that next. That segment brought to you by Black Rifle Coffee Company, America's coffee company, veteran-owned and operated. And uh, whether you like a light, medium, or dark roast, they've got a litany of each for you to choose from. And you'll save 20% off your coffee order or um, swag. They've got lots of funny T-shirts and caps and stuff. Uh, But, yeah, 20% off with that promo code LONESTAR20. When you check out at blackriflecoffee.com. We'll be right back on SCI's Lone Star Outdoors Show.
0: Road I go, forever homeward I know, forever homeward I'll go,
1: forever searching. Tactical Skeleton Firearms specializes in custom AR-10 firearms. They're best known for their AR-10 308 pistols. Also dual caliber AR-10 rifle systems and dual caliber AR-15 takedown pistols. Tactical Skeleton specializes in custom and engraving and they'll custom laser cut the foam insert inside your hard gun case. They'll also take on any exotic caliber build offered on the AR-10 or AR-15 platform. Precision, machining, and hand-built quality guaranteed by a lifetime warranty. Who does that? Get free shipping on your order when you visit TacticalSkeleton.com today. Cable here for Pulsar. If you're looking for that nighttime optic, whether it's a night vision or, my preference, thermal, mm, man, these things have gotten a lot more affordable over the years. Now, of course, it's still a pretty penny, but the working man can get into a thermal, can certainly get into night vision. It's a game changer, and nobody does it better than Pulsar. So if you're ready to light up the night, head over to Pulsar NV to check out their entire lineup of thermal and night vision optics.
0: Hey, this is Cody Jinks, and you're listening to the Lone Star Outdoor Show.
1: When I pray for peaceful waters, but the storms already came. And when it rain when it rains, when go and the going gets a little harder, Smith, Welcome everybody back into SCI's Lone Star Outdoor Show presented by Mossberg Firearms. We've still got Michael Waddell on the line here, actually a Zoom call. Uh, that's one of the silver linings of COVID is Zoom. It's great to actually see a face rather than just talking over the phone. But anyway, we'll get back into that conversation here in just a second. But first, this segment brought to you by NUMA Outdoors and the new Pathfinder Solid Pant. Uh, I just picked one up. Well, they sent me one, but uh, I wore it fishing on Lake Broken Bow a couple weekends ago. It was like 80 degrees outside, but I was nice and cool in the Pathfinder pant. It's a blend of some kind of materials. don't know, Uh, but it's that stretchy, comfortable feel, and it looks stylish too. You can find the Pathfinder as well as NUMA's new lineup of solids, both tops and bottoms, right there at NumaOutdoors.com And uh, save 20% with that promo code LONESTAR20 at checkout. All right. Well, um, stemming from a recent conversation on hunter recruitment with the angry bow hunter, one that you guys might have heard, I'm still thinking a lot about that. And I figured, why not get Michael Waddell's take? So uh, let's take a listen to his thoughts. You mentioned 14 million hunters, and I wanted to ask about hunter recruitment because I have based my career on the strength in numbers, we need more hunters. Now, I don't, now I'm at this point in life where I'm like, well, what if it's the wrong kind of hunter that is saying, well, yeah, okay, I bought a hunting license, but I'm only a bow hunter. I don't think you should hunt with that AR, Michael. You shouldn't have that in Texas. So to me, the most annoying thing a a hunter, in quotations, can say is, I'm a hunter, but. Well, no, to me, there's no but. Like you are or you aren't. And if you are, then you better act like that at the voting box. And so I, I I'm asking you about hunter recruitment because now I'm not so sure anymore. Like if you're diluting the way of this way of life and the values that we hold as hunters, as supporters of the second amendment, if you're diluting that and you're, and you're wading into those waters, which I want to welcome you with open arms. I want to say, yes, you're here. You're yeah. a hunter now, but I don't know anymore if I can, because I'm, yeah. I'm at this point, like, I, yeah, yeah I, I don't know if you're the right kind of hunter. If you're making things worse for me, I don't know if I want you. And, and that, and I hate having to come to that realization, but that's where I'm at. I don't know where you, Michael Waddell are at today, but this is the first, like this yeah. is the first year where I'm now, I'm now thinking about this thing. I'm like, Whoa, do we, if what, if 13 million is the magic number, well, what if we had 15 million, do you think the anti hunters are going to stop if we had 15 million? No, they're yeah. not. So no. what is it? What is it? Does it really matter? I don't know. You know?
0: Well, I think, I think what you're feeling and saying cable is yes our job has always been is to share what hunting is really all about and the Mm -hmm. joy of it and i've always thought it's one of the best things out there first of all even though it's state and government controlled by rules and regulations you really think about it deep hunting is not a privilege i think most people think of hunting as a privilege It's, it's not it's just like protection you have the god-given right to protect yourself and you have a god-given right and we are designed to hunt we are just um the descendants of the best hunters out there i mean there was a time when you you didn't go to the grocery store now i know people say well that you can't make that a relevant narrative as to where we're at now because we have grocery stores well that's wrong because in the end of it canine teeth are moved to to tear beef and chicken and meat. And then when you look at where we're at now and the potential of food shortages, why should anyone depend on Winn-Dixie or Publix Mm. when they have it right here? Now people say, well, I don't have land. Well, there's public land anywhere, everywhere. And if it really got down to it and it hit catastrophic, I can promise you it's going to be hunters that share, that feed, that figure out how to help their neighbors. I know we can't help everybody, but we, tr- we can try. So the fundamental um, right to feed yourself, to defend yourself, to have a chance to hunt, we are designed to hunt. No different than the lion, no different than the shark that, that roams in the, the waters across the, you know, the Atlantic and Pacific. And I think society has dumbed it down. So I think what's happening, if we think of ourselves as a hunter, We think about our own personal rights. And then because we are law abiding citizens, but every time we go to a state, we will read the rules and regulations as it pertains to what we can and cannot do. If we can bait, if we cannot bait, you know, can we use this decoy or can we not use a decoy at all? You know, can we. Or do we have to wear a hunter orange or do we not? And so we look at this stuff and then the rules will define these things that we have to do. And we always will do these things because it's not worth getting a ticket or getting your hunting license revoked. But the art of hunting is, is more than just a state right or a government right. It's a God-given right. And so it's not a privilege. And so we are privileged to have a chance to hunt as many places as we do. So what I think is happening in, in these rules and regulations, and you throw in the word ethics, these hunters that are coming into it. Some of them are bringing the same bullshit that we're wanting to vote against, which is this communist Marxism type of, well, you know what, cable love your podcast. I like it when you talk about squirrel hunting, but I very much disagree in deer. hunting. I like it when you talk about bow hunting, really primitive bow hunting, but I hate rifles and I'm working on banning rifle hunting in Texas right now. (laughs) Well, I I am so sick of these people because that's the same dictator communist situation. Those are the same people that at the end probably hate Elon Musk because they want everybody to live their life, not just in hunting, but is showing you example of the narcissism and the entitlement that people think, you know, and they think if you should do this or you should not have a White House and you shouldn't have a blue car and you ask, well, why? And they say, well, because I don't like them. Yeah. Man, kiss my butt, dude. (laughs) This is not America and this isn't honey. There are so many species of animals that I could care less about hunting myself, but I have friends and people that I don't even know that might want that opportunity. That's their God given right. And there is hardly no animals on the endangered species. And we have proved that conservation only lives through hunting and responsibly hunting, not through the ethics of how you killed it, but by mandating and controlling these populations, both the predators and the prey, and for us to take control and to take care of this. The good Lord can take care of this and mother nature can take care of things, but it's way more brutal, way more brutal. Than the fact of manipulating a turkey with a decoy versus just calling them in because mm-hmm. this is the only way to do it, you know. And, <laughs> and and you know, and I can't believe you would hunt a deer over a feeder in Texas. God, that's not hunting. You know, you're you're a bullshit hunter. And so anyway, I get so aggravated at that because here's the deal: people like you and I, and these people, I got nothing to prove to them. Yeah. Man, I, I have no insecurities about my ability to hunt. Whether I figure out a way to make it easier or whether I freaking trudge through the swamps and freezing cold and breaking ice. I've done it all. I understand it all. And through all these years, Cable, I still realize that these animals are gonna win because they're superior to me in their own domain. And so when you look at that, hunting will always be a challenge. And every year we're trying to create different tactics. But I think at the base of what you're saying, I agree because I don't like these Marxist communists narcissistic people coming to tell me or anybody how they should do it. The states and the government have already mandated the rules and regulations. That's fine. Now, if you come in and you can prove to me that what I'm doing or you're doing or anybody is doing is detrimental to these species and they're exterminating them and putting them on the endangered species list, now I will listen. But you better educate me because I don't think you have a stance to stand on other than I just don't like muzzle loaders. I just don't like crossbows. That's not enough. You need to shut up. I don't like thermal imaging.
1: Yeah, I don't like thermals. Don't shoot hogs with a thermal. Yeah. That's not fair. Well, Hey, guess what? Those are pests. We don't even call that hunting in Texas anymore. That's just pest removal. So shut up.
0: I, I don't think it's fair that Tom Brady freaking has got a supermodel can throw a football better than you and I. Yeah. Is that fair? I I mean, I I, I ain't got no control of it. Ricky Carmichael's I love motocross. I will never in a million years be able to ride a motorcycle like Ricky Carmichael. I do think in the world, if we realize there's some things that's, that's not fair, but what I like, my dad says all the time, he said, uh, I ain't saying I'll be the equalizer, but I can find one. And, um, Mm -hmm. and so in that, uh, I also feel like part of my job and your job is I use an example of let's just, let's just, you know, we'll roll into say Turkey honey. Yeah. Well, man, I was obsessed with it ever since I've been about 13, 14. When I tell you obsession, like, man, I drove mama's aunts, many people crazy, always calling on my Turkey calls. And I was obsessed with it. That obsession led to world championships, grand national state championships. So I really feel like in a very, try not to be arrogant when I say this. I do have an advantage when I walk into the turkey woods with my calls. Now, the number one thing I think woodsmanship is what helps you maintain and feel tags. But you combine me with a property I know, the complete understanding of a turkey, with just those calls, I have an advantage. So do I sit here and tell kids that the only way you should go kill a turkey is to spend exactly an amount of time, or maybe it's a Maybe it's a 40-year-old man who's just getting into turkey hunting. He don't have the time, nor is he going to have a wife with the patience to sit here and hear him yelp day in and day out. Right. Maybe he don't have the time to sit here and focus his whole life. I had the time when I was that young. I was focused on baseball, football, and turkey hunting. That's it. And maybe, maybe you know, a little old girl that I could send a note to to check yes or no if she'd be my girlfriend. Yeah. That was it. <laughs> that was it. My mama had me a few chores. Right now, man, I got bills to pay. I got all kinds of things. I got to figure out how to get to my boys' t-ball game. So even me, I'm not brushed up on my skills as a turkey caller to go compete against Dave Owens or Matt Van VanSyce. I'm not not as good as those guys. But at the end of it, my job has always been I get a chance to hunt every day in, in, in most opportunities to gain assets and to use product and to develop product to help hunters be successful. So I do take it very serious that I can say, hey, guys, I know you don't call like Dave Owens. I know you can't call like Matt Van Sice, but I got a couple tricks that anybody can do that your wife can use. No different than who can fish like Kevin Van Dam or Jesse Wiggins or these guys, you know, that that are Andy Morgan. I mean, they can, they can catch fish anywhere, but you know, I love to watch MLF and I love to watch these guys tips on YouTube because I'm a rookie fisherman. I'm not that great at it. I love to hear them say, Hey man, if it's a sunny day, use this lure, you know what, get that wacky rig out around the dock, and if you really want to catch them this time of year off these points, get you a crankbait, reel it this fast, maybe a little in action. Oh, my God, that's subtle, that's simple. But he just taught me quickly that the day I get to go fishing with my wife or my kids, he taught me a little tilt. The reason he knew this is because while I was turkey hunting or while somebody was driving a truck or somebody building a house or hanging sheetrock or laying concrete, Kevin Van Dam was fishing. The same thing goes for turkey hunting. Why does this turkey keep kicking my butt? You know, I've killed a lot of turkeys. It was easy there in Texas. And all of a sudden I got this one Rio. I know it's him because he's missing two tail feathers and I can't get this turkey in range. Well, he's only getting a chance to hunt them on a Saturday and Sunday, possibly mm-hmm. before his kids recital, before his kids ball game, maybe before church. <clears throat> well, guess what? I've already got five days on them. I hunted Monday through Friday. And I want to be able to say through social media or TV shows, say, hey, that turkey's been whooping you, try this. And I take great pride in teaching somebody. Well, you got somebody yelling out there, well, it took no skill to do that. No, it took a hell of a lot of skill to find that tactic. While you were sitting around rubbing granola on your skin (laughs) and (laughs) finding and essential oils trying to look good for Instagram, I was trying to figure out another tactic crawling through the swamps and the briars because I did not want to let that turkey win. Now, had I let the turkeys win? You're damn right I had because I'd have given, you know, 15 – You know, $10,000, $20,000 a year to NWTO. I'm giving back. I'm I'm trying to make sure that I'm maintaining the proper habitat. And in the process of of, of owning land and having leases, I make the decision that I'm only going to take one turkey here, two turkeys there. So even though my limit says I can take this, I'm taking way less. But in this instance, I'm still trying to create different tactics. Who cares how you killed it? Stay within the limits of the state and also limit yourself. Don't you have to limit yourself on how you do it? So I think it's preposterous. I think it's narcissistic. And I think it's communist that people come in and want to dictate to you how you should live your life because that's really what they're doing. And they're, yeah. using, they're using honey, in, the, in their insecurities because I think at the end of it, they will say, Well, it takes no skill to do it this way. It takes no skill to set over a feeder in Texas and kill a deer. And they will just go on really? and on. I know how through. many
1: hours I drove looking for the right property, how many doors I knocked on, how much yeah. money I in, I paid that landowner, how many times I how many miles I put on the truck going to fill that feeder, how how often I'm checking my trail cameras, waiting for the perfect time. Yep. I, I mean, it's it's they don't understand all that. And You know, I can go to New Mexico and hunt in the back country for a week and walk out with a bull elk. That might still not equal the amount of time I put in to kill that whitetail buck at that feeder. No. (laughs) You know, and I love them both equally. I don't, I I love it all, dude. I don't care.
0: I don't hunt deer with dogs,
1: but my buddies in Louisiana do, and they can legally do that. Right. That's not for me. So, but I'm not going to tell them they can't, nor would you. And uh, this whole conversation, why I wanted to have you on, stems from a message that you put out. On your social media outlets, and I want to discuss that after the break. Uh, so we'll do that next. That segment brought to you by Big and Jay whitetail attractants. I love it. Michael, Travis, and Nick, the bone collector crew, also love their big and Jay. Why? Because it brings the big bucks in. And uh, no matter where you live in the country, they've got all kinds of different scents that may appeal to the deer in your region. Um, I like the original, the BB Squared. It was designed in Texas. It works awesome here. But uh, they've got Apple in They've got a litany of whitetail attractants, and you can find it all right there at BigAndJ.com. We'll be right back with more on SCI's Lone Star Outdoor Show.
0: Sending you this postcard to tell you that I'm fine And let you know wherever I
1: go you If you're looking to remodel your home, add a deck or arbor to the back patio, redo your fence, or build your dream home from the ground up, look no further than ECR Construction Group. My longtime bow hunting buddy, Josh Brown, is someone you can trust to deliver honest work on time. ECR Construction Group also serves the North Texas area, specializing in roofing, barn dominium builds, painting, and carpentry. So for your next project, call the folks I trust. That's ECR Construction Group at 214-400-1444 or... ECRCG.com. In the market for a compact track loader, then check out the Bobcat Advantage, where Bobcat track loaders squared off against other brands in a variety of tests and challenges. Whether you're looking for performance advantages, uptime protection, or quality design, Bobcat compact track loaders are the best-built machines in the industry. But don't take our word for it. Watch the videos at BobcatAdvantage.com or see Bobcat machines in person at Bobcat of North Texas in Louisville, Fort Worth, Cedar Hill, Longview, McKinney, Paris, and Sherman Visit Bobcat of Dallas.com today. I'm stuck on you. I got this feeling down deep in my soul that I just came not lose. Guess I'm on my way. Yeah. I needed a friend. In the way I feel now, I guess I'll be with you till the end. Yes, I'm on my way. There's little Dave Finley Body bringing us back day. on SCI's Lone Star Outdoor show presented by Mossberg Firearms. Cable Smith here with you. Uh, we are still visiting with the bone collector, Michael Waddell. We'll wrap up that conversation momentarily first, though. This segment proudly presented by Pulsar and the Thermion XP52.0. I actually just got mine this week. Haven't even taken it out yet, but I've seen some of the videos from other folks that have been using them. They are awesome. And uh, if you want to light up the night, change the game completely when it comes to predator and hog hunting, then check out the Thermion or uh, check out their other thermal optics, Night Vision as well. They've got got it all, and you can find it at PulsarNV.com. All right, let's get back into the discussion with Michael Waddell. And this whole conversation, Michael, stems from, and, and this is why I want to uh, say thank you to you, you put this out on your Instagram, that's why we're having the conversation and, and we're getting to it last, but that's okay, because we've already kind of gone over it all, but this is, I just wanted people to hear your, what you wrote, hunters don't have to agree on tactics or even ethics, but should always respect rights, I'll never get bogged down telling someone how they have to do it, but rather fight for the hunters that even hunt species in ways that I don't, we all enjoy different things america and i loved it dude And i was like okay you know what and here we are like i said getting to it at the very end but the whole conversation stems from when i read that i was like i haven't talked to michael in a while this kind of this stuck with me and um yeah yeah, i just wanted to say thanks to you to nick to travis for putting yourselves out there because like i said there's a lot of western and it is it's kind of the new western thing uh influencers and people that just like ah we don't touch politics because if we did we know you wouldn't like what we had to say. So
0: that's exactly why they don't touch it. And and, and to be honest with you, they are, you can tell by the way, they're trying to mandate what you should do and what I should do. And that goes past hunting. And that's, what's easy if you have common sense and you can look into these people's personalities, that gets back to why you feel the way you, you feel about it. It's not that you don't want to see new people, anybody, man, I've seen so many people this year kill their first turkeys. I've, this year so far I've seen five new people. They're all hunters. Now they all hunted deer. They hunted hogs. Some of them were big game hunters. Um, somebody like a Jimmy John who last year I saw get his first turkey with me at Blake Shelton's place in, in Oklahoma. He's obsessed with turkey hunting right now. I'm completely obsessed. He's like giddy and shaking and so excited. I mean, spending time yes. working with him, he <laughs> called in his first turkey, a Rio in Oklahoma. And I'm telling you, it was just like, now Make no mistake, Jimmy John is a billionaire. I mean, he, he's a legitimate billionaire. And if he you makes a good sandwich. Into, yeah, makes a good sandwich. <laughs> but you look into Jimmy John's life and he he's very transparent telling you about the ups and downs of his life and, and being becoming a very wealthy man and being very unhappy. To see this man who has anything and everything he wants, be able to take a little bone collector slate call and he yelped him in a turkey. Let me tell you, Cable. I almost got teared up the <laughs> happiness because it was the same happiness that I had at 13. When I got my Turkey with my dad, it was the same happiness I had when I saw my young kids be successful and know that I was kind of setting them on a way to understand the balance of nature. So I think at the end of it, a lot of these people want to be seen different than, than and it really is because if you hunt enough, you'll realize that it's very technical and it's very tough. But then they are things that we can go or those days we go into the woods to where it is so easy that it's amazing. And then they talk about, well, that requires no skill. I'm going to tell you something. I feel confident in my skill and my ability now. But when my dad first put me in a deer stand at 11 years old, I had no skills. I knew how to look through a scope. I knew how to aim. I wasn't that good a shot. I knew nothing about whitetail nothing yeah. about whitetail other than they were brown. The male, I were told, had antlers. The females didn't have antlers. I knew nothing <laughs> about the rut. I knew nothing about habitat. I knew nothing about trees and acorn trees, persimmons. I knew nothing about, oh, dear why are they in the stand in corn or cut corn? Oh, because they like the corn. I didn't know why they were in soybeans. My dad sets me in a tree stand. A deer walks out. I shoot it. Now, keep in mind, it's old school, so I'm 11 years old. My dad sets me up in a pine tree. 20 foot above, no safety strap, 30 off six, <laughs> fully loaded with extra clip in my park pocket, 180 grain, you know, bullets, um, soft, soft point. Uh, what was those bullets called? But uh, 180 grain, I remember that. That was, that yeah. was what you deer with. Anyway, I killed three deer that morning. One of those deer ended up winning the big buck contest. When I tell oh, you wow. I had no skill other than maybe I was a decent little shot for my age, I won $700 gift certificate. I can use the same story of taking my four year old son and putting him in a redneck blind and killing a doe. He's killed four deer since and he's five now. Honestly, he has no skill set when it comes to deer hunting, but I showed him how fun it's gonna be. You tell me right now where I said in my skill set. You tell me and come back. And if we had the same podcast to interview my five year old son now when he's 21. That skill is going to come. I just introduced him to that, you know, whether it's mm-hmm. cooking, whether it's cleaning. We, we ate ribs out the wazoo and, and it was good. We didn't have the skill to cook them. But through the enjoyment of eating that rib, we learned that we need to develop skills. So people need to shut up on this stuff. They have no skill now. A lot of them. They don't know what they're talking about when they're saying that fanning in the turkey is 100 percent foolproof have no problem with them using that tactic. But don't give me this line of BS to say, well, this pretty much done deal. It's like shining deer. That proves to me in one sentence, they know nothing about turkey hunting at the level that they think they know because it's not, there is not a tactic that's foolproof. And especially in this circumstance, it just shows that for some reason in their own imagination, maybe it was a little bit of an experience, but based on just them getting on this social media platform and trying to hear what other people are saying they're believing the hype of what they see and what they hear on social media i believe in what i see when i'm hunting an animal i believe in a tactic and what i'm passing on is what i experience in the situation whether it's using a fan using a decoy using a call using slipping and sliding Using certain shot shells, extended choke tubes and shotguns and tactics that I've learned from you, that I've learned by myself, that I've learned from Nick, T-Bone, Jim Shockey's man, I sponge it all in. Now I can spit out statistics based on my living, not some freaking 24-year-old kid who's out there telling me that I'm a fool or a clown or somebody else is because they use a certain tactic. They know nothing at the level they think they know. Mm-hmm. You know I'm, mm-hmm. The reason I know this it's because cable every year, based on these adventures, I will shoot maybe five or six turkeys myself, and I really have pushed back on that number. I used to shoot a lot more, but on average, I, I see 25 to 50 turkeys die a year through guiding, through taking people. That's the number one thing my wife and I have committed to in philanthropy, rather than just giving, say, ten dollars or $20,000 to these nonprofits. We still are members. We still do these things, and we still give. But to donate a two-day turkey hunt at NWTF or donate something to yeah. a charity, And most of these times, man, I've been blessed. that You know, the, the top situation, I remember we had one particular hunt that auctioned off $130,000. Oh, my God. they gave to go turkey hunting. And now, granted, it wasn't just about me. It, it, it was about they were going to give probably a significant amount back in philanthropy. And it just so happened that this on the ticket in this auction tripped the trigger. But yeah. you think when they went with me, they were they were wanting to hear me say, "Hey, thank you for the donation to this organization and this nonprofit." But today we're gonna let them win, buddy. <laughs> today we're gonna let them win. And I know you watch me on video, but I'm gonna tone it down. I'm over that part of my life, and I'm I'm actually gonna use a hickory leaf, and I'm gonna use an old wing bone, and look, here's an old shotgun that my great grandfather had that won't shoot past 15 yards. Come on, man. <laughs> thank you for the hundred thirty thousand. Man, kiss my These people don't realize these people that I took, they are millionaires. And I'm not even trying to say that that's all I hunt with celebrity millionaires. But the big picture is you don't think that these ain't the people that's going to come back and spend in philanthropy. If they can give one hundred and thirty thousand dollars to go turkey hunting with me, I think it would be too hard for them to give one hundred thousand dollars for turkeys for tomorrow. Why? Because they just love turkey hunting now. And I had this chance to be part of this. To, to set that, to plant that seed. What kid am I getting his first turkey that's going to end up to be the ne- next Jeff Bezos? Hopefully he's better than Bezos, right. but my point is that can give back to our community. And the last example I could give, take this AR behind me. Cable, never, typically the way I grew up, I don't need really an AR. I use it some, you know what I use it for? That's a little two, two, three. My five-year-old shot his four deer with that gun because it's got a collapsible stock. No recoil, some horny ammunition, and no deer has went past 40 yards after he shot him right behind the shoulder. So I never had a lot of experiences with the AR. I grew up on bolt guns. I grew up on the old semi-automatic 742 Remington Woodmasters, and I grew up, if you had money, you got that old Brown and BAR, man, with the gold trigger. That was a rich people gun, you know? So mm-hmm. that AR, to me, was actually, speaking to Nick Munt, which I thought he was going to join us on the podcast. He just texted me.
1: Of- he said, shoot, man, sorry. <laughs> Something I know came up that's all right
0: that's all right well that that gun there nick munt gave me this gun as a gift and i love it but let me tell you even though i don't have an arsenal of ars if you think for a minute i'm gonna vote against somebody having the right to have that gun you're wrong i'm far the guy who wants that ar because mm-hmm. here's what i know an ar as efficient as they can be man old country boy uh some of these other guns not even on the list they're probably way more dangerous than AR. if somebody in the madman or some of these real tactical people got a hope to, let's just call it a Benelli shotgun with some buckshot. What mm-hmm. if they walk into a club? Now, I hate to even bring that up, but my point is there's been so much attention on this that people missed the big picture. And, and I'm, I'm glad you brought this up because it did. I've been talking nonstop on it and I'm fired up about it. I think people don't understand the big picture. They get hung up on these things that they think they know know, and then the more they talk, it just proves how ignorant they really are. So my final conclusion on this, whether people hate me for it or whether they love me for it, I will fight for every hunter out there, even the ones I don't like, even the ones I think are to a degree narcissistic. I'm going to fight for the dog hunter. You're right. I didn't grow up doing a lot of dog hunter. I've done it a few times and to be honest, I had fun. I'm yeah. going to fight for the guy who wants to bow hunt with a compound bow, as well as the one who wants to use a recurve. I'm also going to fight for the guy who says, man, my shoulder's a little off. And to be honest with you, I can't shoot a bow good. I want to use a crossbow. I'm going to shoot, fight for the guy who wants to use, you know, an old flintlock muzzleloader, as well as the guy who wants to use an inline. And I'm also never going to call a rifle hunter a sissy, and I can't believe you're rifle hunt, and you're not even a man, you should pick up an archery gear. I'm going to fight for everybody. I'm going to fight for the guy who wants to fill these turkey tags, with an old shotgun and just using maybe a wing bone call. That is so cool that this guy has got this vibe of how he likes to go to the woods. What's yeah. not cool is for me or him to dictate to me, this is how you got to do it. And use some ad- adjectives and be disrespectful in the process of how they live their life. Because if you do that, what's next? Are you going to look at my wife and say, I can't believe you'd marry a blonde yeah. and you painted your house this color. Oh, and I just found out, dude, you're hunting in a four-wheel drive pickup truck. What a sissy. (laughs) It it, it, it doesn't stop.
1: So if we're
0: going to talk about America, you better learn to respect. And then we can also take scientific and biological data, and we can see if what we're doing is detrimental to these animals. And if you can prove that, my ears are open. Prove to me that a Remington 12 gauge shotgun with high brass three to three and a half inch shells is what's the is the reason that we have a decline in turkeys. Now tell me that and I'll say, well, maybe we should hunt with a 410 more. Right. Uh, or say, prove to me in scientific data that the use of a gobbler decoy or a feeder in Texas is the detriment and near exterminating the wild turkey populations. Now, me and your listen, because that's mm-hmm. past how I thought that if somebody wanted to do it they could now now you start dipping into some real things but what you'll find that that that's not the case um i I don't think that's the case at all and there's no no scientific data to prove these things all they got is they don't like it and they can't just stick on the fact that i'm not going to do it they're going to fight to the end because they don't want you to do it because my opinion is they're not that great at what they do a lot of times And they don't like success. And so I've come to the conclusion that some of these hunters you're talking about, their good day of field is knowing you had a bad one. That is not the people I want to celebrate. And these are the people that have a dusty trophy room. They settle on, they put all their stance on, on what they've scored and they feel like they're this big guy. And they figure out a way when they see somebody that did the same thing. Well, it couldn't be that they're as good as me. They have to find something to give them some criticism on because how can anybody be equal to me? I'm trying to tell everybody that hunts, there is nothing I do that you can't do. Nothing. I'm not the Messiah of hunting, nor is anybody. I'm not this Billy badass hunter. I'm trying to say, if you watch Bone Collector and you watch me hunt with my friends, that it's only badass that I and you can hunt. Now, if you pick up some tips and some tactics, because I can't say that me and Nick Munt hasn't been a game hog. If I go hunting, Mm -hmm. I want to be successful. I want us to be successful. I want my limit of doves. But most of the time we fall short. But the fun that we have is unbelievably contagious. And I'm trying to tell you that you can do it, that every man, woman, and child can do it. And even if they might not be at the same level as you or me, They can get there and they can get there on a fast track. And that's what these macho men, narcissistic people that want to do away with certain tactics. This is what they hate. They don't want to see anybody coming as equal to them. And that is not a good, solid promotion of our hunting heritage and culture. It is something we all can do. I don't think I could ever ride a motorcycle like Eli Tomac or Ricky Carmichael or Jeremy McGrath. I don't think I could ever throw a football like Tom Brady. But I'm here to tell you, you can one day possibly be as good a turkey caller as me or Dave Owens. You can possibly kill you a big buck with a bow if you concentrate on it. I won't ever win a Super Bowl in football, but I'm trying to tell you everything I do on my show, you can be like me. You can do the things I do. I am not above you. I'm actually right there with you. And the only reason that you might can look at me, well, you are more blessed and you possibly good. And I think your talents and Waddell in the turkey woods. The only reason I am is because the people who watch our shows, who buy our products has given me the opportunity to do it more. And therefore all I'm doing is sharing these opportunities that these viewers and these listeners have given me. And what a complete jerk would it be to say, guys, first of all, thank you for letting me live this life. But here's what I want to tell you, because you were working on that construction site. You didn't get this chance to see Monday through Thursday what I saw. But I'm going to tell you, because I know you, Bob Roberts, down there and wherever you at in Texas, that turkey's been whooping you. Try this. You're not going to believe it. And so then that four days that I spent, they didn't. I was able to share one thing with them. It doesn't mean I know it all, but I really saw it. I really felt it. And maybe I didn't do it the first time I did it. I didn't share. But after about four or five times, me and you cable out there doing something and that aha moment where eyes are like this big. Oh my God, can you believe that crap? That's the fourth time we tried that trick and this worked. Now we keep trying it. we're going to strike out. Same with fish and hunting. That's my passion. And that's what I'm trying to say. I will fight for you. I am with you. And I am not above you. I'm right there with you. And everybody can do what me and you do, period. The end of story. Mm-hmm. And another great example is T-Bone always been a big man. Now he's sitting here, uh, you know, with one leg. And you watch and see if T-Bone don't find success. Now, is oh, that fair no to doubt. that the one-leg big man is going to actually go probably kill a big poking young buck in time and fair chase? Are they going to want to deep down criticize this man? Well, I don't get it. The big guy with one leg kills a big deer. There's got to be something. He had to shoot it over corn or it had to be high fence. must have been a farm deer. They're going to throw criticism out of their own insecurity. And when you get to the point in your hunting endeavors that you can't celebrate other hunters, you're a pitiful sight. And we're getting too much of that right now. So That's my rant. And I apologize for overpowering this conversation, but that is my biggest thing right now that I'm fighting for. And I'm not against these people. I'm really not. I'm not against these people that have these ways that are certain. I actually think it's cool. If somebody wants to hunt Turkey a certain way, or somebody says, you know what? I deer hunt, but I'm not going to hunt over bait. um, I respect that. But if you look deeper into it, there's no way to hunt deer um, if you're not hunting over bait. And people say "Bull, bull crap. Well, again, I know hunting. There's got to be a white oak acorn tree there somewhere. There's got to yeah. be something. There's got to be farmland in Illinois that they left a bunch of corn over. That same person had to plant an oak field or a wheat field. That same person had to understand that there's persimmon trees down there or maybe some crab apple trees that are natural. There is bait there. But again, who gives the right to a man to tell them where they can pour corn on their property? Also, who gives... The right to the guy who's also like me. I'm blessed. I've got enough money that I can have two brand new, you know, new Holland tractors out there that I enjoy. My dad and I enjoy so much going out and ripping up land. I got 40 or 50 acres of food plots on my farm. I'm not saying it to brag, but that's real bait. I plant soybeans, I plant oats, I plant white clover, I plant chufa for my turkeys. And you know what? I can about set Ray Charles out in that chufa field. And about eight o'clock, <laughs> most every morning, and the turkeys are scratching that you up. That's perfectly moral. That's perfectly ethical. That's perfectly legal. Yeah. But for the single mom, Cable, that's out there that lost her husband or boyfriend in Afghanistan or lost him, maybe he's he, in, a, in a truck, in a, in a car wreck or in heart attack, who's got a son who watches and listens to you, who watches Bone Collector, who, who watches us hunt, that wants to go hunting like us. What am I to tell her? go buy a John Deere tractor. They're approximately 50 to hundred grand and you can buy fertilizer, get you a soil sample right now because of the Russia situation. You're going to probably pay anywhere from 5,000 to $10,000 to fertilize, you know, some of these food plots. And you, and the best, I think, to plant is say some buck forage or oats. They're not paying me. I just like that seed, Um, you know, and they're X amount of dollars a bag. And if you're lucky and you get the rain, you're going to have some oats that come up and you might could see a deer. Now, people say, well, why don't you teach them how to hunt white oak trees? Why don't you teach them about persimmon trees? No, I'm talking to a woman who lives in Alabama who's hunting literally a 20 acre planted pines. There is no food whatsoever in there other than. So plant- while
1: you're at it, why don't you just go ahead and drop 50,000 on a Tesla so you don't have to buy gas anymore?
0: Why not? <laughs> why not? So we have gotten so skewed in our situational ethics and our machoism. And our sword fighting. And I've always said the biggest problem with the hunting industry. And if any women, and I pray women are listening to this, the most unattractive thing on earth is the male ego. And it exists. It exists within me. It exists within you. It exists within our species. So what do we do? What do we pull out of this? And a lot of these companies to market the most sacred, most unbelievable pastime god-given right we have we use the male insecure ego and the guy who says look at me and how tough and they got all the looks like they freaking nearly had just got back from afghanistan to hunt a turkey in nebraska the Mm -hmm. easiest place to kill a turkey and it looks like it was a near-death experience literally the photo shoots and their instagram stories are more dangerous than the hunt itself you would think that some of these people live with a pack of wolves while they freaking only have time to barely take this picture of 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 their muscles it's pathetic i'm not saying that somebody don't think it's cool that's fine but at the end of it smile be happy hunt and it's for everybody it's for our children it's for our wives it's for all of us so that's it, cable. Like I said, sorry for the long rant.
1: But no, no, and bring I'm back the bring that. back the tailgate photos and the trophy the trophy photos because, and I get so annoyed. I'm looking at these, and it's not. I'm not saying that that a like a picture of you looking at your rack of this buck that you just shot isn't cool. It's cool. It's, it's not a somber thing. It's a high fiving. We're like woohoo! This is great, man. We yes, we're thankful. We're, there's a moment of gratitude. Thank you, Lord, for this animal that died. Now it's going to feed me and my family and my friends. Great. But dude, it isn't a somber. I'm not sorry. I killed that animal deal. It's a yes. We're slapping each other on the back. High five. Yeah. It's awesome. Yeah. So some of those marketing shots, I'm just like, well, that is so ridiculous. That is not what happens in the woods after you put your tag on an animal. I I don't know. I don't know. Maybe
0: maybe I've even thought deep within myself and like, well, Michael, have you? been so blessed to do this so long that certain aspects of it has become easy and maybe you take for granted and I've come to the conclusion no I don't because every year I get a chance to hunt with new hunters you know Mm -hmm. from children to women to to men that lived in the city have a take chance to, to hunt with you know celebrities that know nothing about the space and and I do know they're getting a chance to fast track because they're getting a chance to see and, and be able to take advantage of a lot of things that naturally are easy for me or you based on how we move through the woods and how we quickly understand the strategy, maybe statistical op- opportunity for success based on years of experience. So, so to a degree, it's like going fishing for the first time with a Kevin Van Dam and you got a crankbait fishing point mm-hmm. more than likely you're going to catch fish. Um, however, I don't think this is a difficult situation as people make it. I think people want it to be harder. I think it, for them, it makes them feel like they look sexier, more brawny to, to make it tougher, whether it's this sentimental vibe. When I pick up on all this as truly sincere, there's utmost respect. Even a man who, who has unbelievable reverence, you know, for, and, and maybe they get to near tears. I have, if, if it's true and it's sincere, then I respect it. But the problem is 90% of this is an acting job. They're guilty of the same stuff, again, situational ethics, of trying to manipulate the viewer based on their acting job of how they really feel. Deep down, they're controlling their emotion probably, and they're wanting to jump up and down and high-five and jump. And and the last thing, too, on that is I've learned that these hunting trophies and these big bucks, the world really don't care because, first of all, a lot of the world is doing it a lot of the hunters are finding great success on big trophy animals. The reason they're getting a chance to do that is because there's great conservation efforts and because of the hunters and a lot of the hunters that was even before them, they took active measures to have healthier herds and healthier fisheries. So certainly it takes skill and it takes the learning and takes proper discipline to be able to make a shot to to get this animal on the ground. But at the end of it, if you think the whole world cares that you killed this big buck, they, they don't. It's a personal trophy for yourself. Let that be something that makes you proud, but don't think everybody else is just going to worship you. Nobody right. cares, dude. Nobody cares. In your self-centeredness to think this, you forget that the world is pretty self-centered around their own family and their own activities and their own eight-point buck that was quite a bit smaller than yours, but they're more proud of their deer than they are yours. Who cares? It's, it's kind of pathetic when you look when you look deep into the psychology of it, and it just spells great insecurity. And it grays, and it and it spells great
1: narcissism. Well, we can thank social media for that. It's a double-edged sword. Um, yep. You've been obviously very gracious with your time, Michael. I appreciate it immensely. Uh, before I started doing this 15 years ago, been following Bone Collector around, and uh, you guys haven't changed. If anything, I think you you guys have only gotten better with age. I see a little more white in that beard there. Yes, you know, I got a little <laughs> I got a little less hair up top, so. Uh, <laughs> We've been doing it a while, but um, yeah, man, I appreciate you guys and and your honest take and and you know being willing to come on here and talk about the things that that so many people in this industry number one don't want to talk about and and I think a lot of people listeners too like wow I don't want to hear that well guess what sometimes you need to hear it uh, because like like we've said it's a slippery slope when you start picking and choosing. Uh, what you think is okay and, and then trying to dictate that to, to other people and in hunting and in life like we've talked about i agree i, today, I so. think
0: it goes hand in hand and cable i i can likewise say the same thing man tickled to death and proud of what you guys have accomplished and what y'all do on y'all's platforms and speaking the truth and speaking out and like i said opinions you remember i was saying opinions like buttholes everybody got one <laughs> but love it. everybody does and so i apologize even for getting on a rant and roll but I say it because deep down, I'm very happy. I'm very protective and excited about what hunting means. And I just want to make sure people know loud and clear. I'm not mad at anybody and I want to protect the freedoms of all hunters. I think you will find situational ethics every time these guys want to go into a debate. And the only thing they can stand on is I just don't like it.
1: Yeah. yeah.
0: There's a man, dude, if if I'm a hunter,
1: but. I'm a hunter, but nope, that's, I, I think that's a, a good place to wrap it up, man. No, you're in or you're out. So you're either in or
0: you out, baby. Yeah, you yeah. with the team, you in the family, are you out? That's and, right. And I, and I will work hard to throw you out.
1: <laughs> <laughs> all right, Michael. Well, Hey y'all, everybody follow bone collector. Uh You can find it's on all the social media. It's uh we are on outdoor, outdoor, channel. Channel, yeah. outdoor yep. channel and um, you guys have been doing it a long, long time. Like I said, only getting better with age. So thanks again, man. Certainly appreciate the time, and God bless you and your family.
0: Appreciate it, brother.
1: So there he goes, the Bone Collector's Michael Waddell. Always great catching up with him. And uh, straight shooter from the hip. Love that about those guys, like I said. Um, That segment of the presentation was proudly brought to you by All Seasons Feeders and Blinds. If you're introducing that kiddo to deer hunting, um, there's there's no better way than to get them set up in a big chingone or uh, its little brother, the little chingon. It's got carpet, cup holders, windows for um, both bow hunting and archery. Of course, your five-year-old's not going to be bow hunting, but it's comfortable and it's quiet, which if you've ever tried to take a five-year-old hunting, they are not quiet. Uh, so <laughs> that helps as well. And you can find... The big chingone right there at allseasonsfeeders.com. Unfortunately, we are out of time for today. Uh, Thanks again to Michael. Thanks to all of our sponsors for making this show possible. Thanks to you, the listener, for being a part of SCI's Lone Star Outdoor Show. Until next time, I'm Cable Smith saying, Y'all have a great week in the outdoors.
0: we oh. the oh. oh.